Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joes, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Put your right hand in the box. What's in the box? Then stop Put your hand in the box. I hold at your neck. The gum trip off. It's not fear. Fear is the mind killer. And here's a little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I want it to pass over me and through me. The Duke will die before these eyes, and he'll know. He'll know that it is I, Van Vladimir Hartogan, who encompasses his doom. <laughs> Can you hear the rumbling? Thump, 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 thump. The rustling. Can you smell cinnamon? Oh, I do. Oh, what is that? Oh, it's cinnamon. Thump, 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 thump. Do you see the coursing mound in the sand? But hear that rustling? All of a sudden, it's breaching. Hey, hey, yeah, Mr. Sandworm, what's up? Hey, you're at the end of LPN Deep Dive's Dune, huh? <laughs> yes, Shaitan. Don't call me Shaitan. I am Shy Halud. <laughs> then a lady jumps out. Oh, oh, wait a minute, Mr. Sandworm. Whoa, shit. Oh, 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 wait, Mr. Sandworm. <laughs> Guys, welcome to LPN Mr. Deep Dive. Mr. Sandworm, Dune. look at you. Oh, yeah, around. yeah. Mr. Sandworm, are you a space Jew? No, I'm not. Yeah, Say, yeah. hey, look, I also saw your shoulders going. Worms don't have shoulders. Oh, All so, right, please. Tendrils, sorry. Welcome to LPN Deep Dives Dune. I am your god emperor, Henry Sobrowski. For the last time, this here is my, is he Spanish? Is he, I don't know what he is. He is, though, my Fremen wife who is holding on to my two doomed children. It is Holden McNeely. Yes, yeah, I'm a bit of a senorita myself, for sure. Some people, everybody always, when I'm walking down the street, people are like, Latinx? Latinx? Everybody always like, no, is. No, no, no. Yo no say. I've been no with no him. Say. I've been with him while it happens. It's incredible. <laughs> it's weird, too, because no one goes like white, white or anything to you, but they go to me. Latinx? Latin? And I'm just like, uh, right, I do, yeah, yeah, me, yeah. me? Am I? Am I? Please. See, see, um, see. Yeah, yeah. But guys, welcome to the, this is the last one. We made it all the way to the end of LPN Deep Dives Dune, and today what we wanted to talk about are some of the films that we have seen, the Dune media Oh, there, and I tell you what, there's not a shortage of it. Some might say there might be a longage of it. And a curse of it, some it might say. It seems to be. I don't know how we really want to structure this. I know that I made you watch 
the second half yes. of the Dune miniseries that was made for sci-fi. Yeah, it is Frank Herbert's Dune is the initial one, the sci-fi channel series, and then uh, Frank Herbert's Children of Dune, which was released in 2003. That is the, um, the three-parter. So these are like relatively new like these are like yeah. straight up these are pretty close you got william hurt as duke leto who's actually pretty sweet i watched the first frank herbert's dune but to be my first dune obviously it is flawed and people it's it's vulnerable the thing about david lynch's dune is that it's a precious gem that no one has seen the second half of. I think most human beings, including you and I, I had to get through to the end of David Lynch's Dune because I love that first hour. You do? It's so tragic, too, because you take two things you gotta fucking love. David Lynch. You gotta I love mean, David Blue Lynch to Velvet. love David Lynch. Because I'm, I'm a Peaks. David Lynch I mean, full-on apologist. I love I watch him. Every bit of it. I love how indulgent he is. I'm a person, I'm like, I bought a no-region DVD player so that I can watch my European Blu-ray of Inland Empire. That yeah, is the dude. type of David Lynch fan I am. And then connect that to Dune. Classics. I mean, we don't need to give it any more laurels. We already have over 11 episodes. Classic sci-fi series, amazing. The partnership seemingly made in heaven. Uh, this auteur, brilliant director, making huge waves already at this point in his career. This fucking beloved sci-fi franchise, and then, man, wow. what you get. It is, it is, at both times, fascinatingly disgusting, while also being somehow insanely boring. And I it don't somehow know how does it. it was achieved. Yeah. Well, Let's go with the pros of David Lynch's Dune, because sure. to me, it has a couple of pros. The pros are <laughs> the casting. Kyle MacLachlan oh will always be my Paul. If I met Kyle MacLachlan, I would faint because he's my Paul and he's my Dale Cooper. That are my two favorite hero characters of all time, right? Because I'm not a big hero guy. I like villains. But him, oh my God, with the hair, you got him. You got Virginia Madsen as Princess Erlon. She's a nice. I I would, yeah, I'd be her leather boy. Yes, she's a nice. Then you've got fucking Everett McGill oh. as Stilgar. Everett McGill, who is incredible in Twin Peaks. Again, one of David Lynch's main major domo cast members. He's fantastic in it. You got the guy who plays the Baron is fantastic. Sean Young is a surprisingly white Cheney is great in it, and you got my favorite of all, Brad Dourif as Pitter. Because Brad Dourif as Pitter with David Lynch, I'm going to do the Mentat prayer that they invented for this. Honestly, this is where David Lynch is is so creative. Because you remember how every single time Pitter is going to go into a Mentat state, he drinks the Sappho juice, and then he says... It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Sappho that thoughts require speed. The lips acquire stains. The stains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. Which is an obvious ripoff of the litany against fear. But hey, I'm down for you. If Brian Herbert can make everybody cool. thinking machines in the prequels and the sequels, then he can write a little Mentat poem. 
It was cool. It's honestly that stuff. Honestly, those opening moments show. I feel like a lot Dope. of promise. A lot of promise. And they did some really cool things. Did some cool things with the sandworms. I think. I think at the end of the day, it, knowing a little bit of the backstory, I think helps on this one. All right. Of course. Well, of all of these things, of every one of these pieces of media, if yeah. you even want to try to watch any one of these movies. You have to read the books. That is just, that's what I love about Dune is that Dune kind of locks you into the original material because if you don't read the original material or have some sort of working understanding of the original material, you're not going to understand a single one of these fucking movies. Yeah, and I think that's one of the best things for me, at least now with watching David Lynch's Dune is I was telling you this, now that we have done this series and only because we've done this series, I don't even think I'd feel this way after just reading the first book. Uh, I can now kind of go on autopilot while watching David Lynch's Zoomies. I basically know what's happening at all times. And and there's no at no point am I trying to decipher what is going on in the plot of the film. That is actually established in the back of my head, but is not overtly explained in the film in a lot of ways, uh, except for in a lot of whisper talking scenes. A lot where- of whispers. <laughs> so much whisper talking. In this because movie. he tried to be super accurate to the book. This yeah. David Lynch's dude. In her monologue. Yeah, it yeah. had Frank Herbert on set. So Frank Herbert yeah. was around, even though he, he consulted with David Lynch, he was watching it all. That brings another pro to the David Lynch's Dune because of all of the other pieces of media, including the miniseries, which is the other most extensive filmed version of Dune. It nailed the look. It yes. nailed still suits, the uh, navigators, the guild navigators. The thing about the guild navigators, which I noticed, too, is that they are not described the way David Lynch makes them in the movie, right? There's these giant fetus baby things with the triangle mouths. He's not described as that in the novel. He's described as basically a person with long legs and fingers and long feet and toes, right? (laughs) Like just floating in a thing. But Mm -hmm. you could tell that Frank Herbert loved David Lynch's design for the Guild Navigator so much that when you read Heretics, you see that he changes the description of Guild Navigators, Ah. which I think that what he did was he tried to say they look like this over the, what was it, the the 6,000 years that the book takes place, all of the books take place during, and this is what happens, they morphed over time into this. So going back, so for Lynch's Dune, you've got some key players here. You've got uh, Dino De Laurentiis, uh, the Italian producer who purchases the rights in 1976. This is after Yodorowsky's Dune falls through, and we will talk about that in a little bit. Sting! But all this- I also forgot Sting! about Sting! He's great, man. He was supposed to be nude in that, which yes. I also love. I love the bikini thing that he wears. He's supposed to be nude, completely dick out. supposed to be completely out. naked. And, and then the night before, he was totally he, cool. he signed on. He was like A-OK with that, by the way. He was not the P-word in this situation. The P-word was, I think, one of the producers, somebody, they were like, he can't be naked. He can't be naked. Everyone will be coming. Everybody who sees will come. His penis, I will be sucking it liberally. <laughs> you mean his tiny penis will <laughs> right. be out on the set. I put lips on the penis. <laughs> All right, Dino, please. We're trying to make a professional I film make here. a deal. Uh, yeah, so so they get the rights in 1976. They commissioned Frank Herbert to write a new screenplay. This turns out to be a 175-page-long tome that would essentially translate into a three-hour-long insane epic. Give it to me, bro. Give me this as well. Ridley Scott is hired on to make it. And this is actually kind of interesting because we'll talk about this for Yodorowsky's Dune, but a lot of that team from that Dune project ended up being wrapped into his Alien film, which is obviously classic and amazing and no incredible. shit. 
Well, yeah, Geiger and a bunch of those guys. I didn't know so, that. A lot of what they say about Yodorowsky's Dune, which again we'll get into in a little bit, is that it at least set the foundation for other projects after it, namely Alien, uh, which which got a lot of that crew involved. Either way, during the making of it, Ridley Scott's brother dies just out of nowhere from cancer. Very, well, very out of nowhere. That's not out of nowhere. That's from cancer. Well, well, in this situation, I think it was out of nowhere. It was like, hey, you have, it was one of those, like, hey, you have cancer and you're going to die tomorrow. Bye. You know what I mean? It was just one of those. Well, he, he needs a different doctor because I don't really? want to. I don't want an afternoon I know, right? like that with the doctor. Bye. bye. When they say that you about well. your dad. Yeah, bye. See Goodbye. you in heaven. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, not sorry, no heaven. <laughs> so either way. There's nothing after death. Sorry about that. From the way I read it, Ridley Scott's brother dies. Ridley's like looking at this like, He's like, I have to make this movie for the next at least two years of my life. Oh, yeah. And has like kind of a personal crisis. Of course he like, does. Because he's he like, why would like, I fucking ever want to be a part of this? I don't want this is too much. It's too much. Dude. I think he was like looking at Tlaxu tanks and realizing like life is precious and that he should really <laughs> soak in every moment of it. fucking weak. Yeah. So he was just like, I can't, I got to get out of this. He just flips but out. The man like, made Blade to- Runner. The Blade Runner, I mean, technically Philip K. Dick's original novel is very obtuse. They're very difficult to read. They're very strange. He saw this 175 page script and he saw how much this was going to take from his life at a time when he's realizing like, I just want to be on a beach you know, examining the ocean and like, you know what I mean? And having those kinds of moments being like, wow, life is a, you know, life is like a a, a trellis. I don't know what these people do. You know I what I mean? Know. Life is like a magical fucking whatever, right? Sure. And I'm not going to be a fucking workhorse for this my fucking life, pumping out podcast after podcast, Whoa. doing the research, Whoa. putting in the hours. Whoa, I just got to go. Whoa, this got personal. I got to go big. in the jungle, man. Yeah, you just been it. doing a podcast on Dune, dude. So this is it. So, you just yeah, you're suffering from dune fever. So Ridley, like myself in this moment, just bails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just left. He just left the production. Yeah. So the, how did David Lynch get involved? So so he leaves and he just drops the. He's like, keep the script, do whatever you want with it. I'm out of here. Because David and, Lynch famously disavows this film. As a matter of fact, he yes. took his credit off the film, and he's this is one of those Alan Smithy movies. Yeah, and I wish he talked about it more because this is a gap. You just asked me a question. I wish I knew more about, but essentially, I know that David Lynch. He's coming off of the critical and I believe commercial as well success of the Elephant Man, and the Elephant Man yes. was this important moment in his career. Is up until then he was. The racer head guy. He did. He had done, I believe, Blue Velvet by this point. I could be wrong. He, maybe that's coming. He did not do uh, okay. Blue Velvet by that point. Blue, he had Blue done. Velvet also, Blue Velvet was right after. It is also produced by Dino De Laurentiis's production company, by the way. And I know this because I weirdly recently did the King Kong two-parter for Wizard and the Bruiser, my other podcast, and uh, it involves Dino De Laurentiis because he did that weird 1975 King Kong with fucking the Big Lebowski in it. Either way, going back to this, Ridley leaves. And David Lynch is just set up to be this important next director, kind of like he what is. we're seeing now, like what we're seeing with today's films where like like all those Marvel movies, they like tap these like young indie directors because essentially they know they can take these wide eyed, young, promising indie directors who really know their way around a camera, but also can be sort of influenced by a big studio because it's very intimidating to work for a big studio for the first time. They kind of do the same thing with him. Oh, he said right here. They were massaging David Lynch to do Return of the Jedi. Yes. So and he then, was tapped to do a bunch of different projects. He said Return no. was one of them. He said no yeah. to Return of the Jedi because he said that George Lucas should be directing these movies because I have no clue what this is oh. about. But he decided to do Jump 
into Dune, where he said also when he did Dune, mm-hmm. this was another thing because he was, I read his biography. He David Lynch did an autobiography that is fantastic. He really because he does not talk a lot about his inner working life in any way, shape, or form. But in yeah. fact, he purposely likes to be mysterious. His collaborator, what's the Mark Frost, right? Mark Who Frost. He did Twin Peaks with Mark Frost. Mark Frost like released these book, Twin Peaks books, yes, like filling in. They're all fat, right. Filling in the gaps on certain lore things. Then David Lynch was classically against that because he yes. was like, I don't want people to know the facts. I want, he I want likes, it to be purposely ambiguous. I like it to be purposely mysterious. He likes dream imagery. And he yeah. really does believe, which I, I totally understand. Once the art leaves the artist, it does not really belong to the artist anymore. It belongs to you to interpret. He has yeah. his own version of whatever the bullshit is, but the whole point is how does it translate to you? And something like Dune or Star Wars actually requires literal universe building, which requires, while you can do it vaguely up to a point, it, which Frank Herbert himself did. Frank Herbert, notoriously, as we've talked about for the last fucking 11 episodes, was that he liked dropping in little ideas that your brain go like, but Larry and Jihad, what the hell is that? What uh-huh. are the hunters? What are the, who are the, who's fucking Marty and Daniel? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who are these guys? But then the thing about a movie is that you have to explain kind of some shit. And according to Lynch, this is <laughs> well, one. It depends. I mean, it depends on the movie, but yes, a big summer blockbuster sci-fi epic. Probably you really got to. It. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he, he, one quote he said is, uh, Dune was kind of a studio film. I didn't have final cut, and little by little, I was subconsciously making compromises, um, which he never wanted to do. And it's why <laughs> no. that from now on, he will not speak about Dune. He is g- gone from it. He will not. Uh, he won't comment on it. He won't do a director's cut. They try to get him to do a director's cut. He won't do it. And he won't do any sort of commentary. I will always wonder, though, just going back to this, maybe someone can fill me in uh, who knows better somehow, what compelled him to take on Dune? He didn't go with Return, he didn't go with his own thing, but he went with Dune, even though from what I, my research, it said he hadn't read the book before, and he had very little interest in sci-fi at the time. So what the fuck was it? Was it the money? Was it the the promise of, of making that first big, you know, Hollywood film? I have I, a I little bit of perspective from Frank Herbert's view. Oh. Because there was an in Maker of Dune, which is a collection of essays that Frank Herbert wrote and things about Dune. Frank Herbert said, essentially, he was kind of brought in to help sell Dune to David Lynch and that they had meetings. So at some point, Frank Herbert, God Emperor David Lynch, got into his head about how cool Dune is. And maybe David Lynch did it out of sheer mental exhaustion of being (laughs) confronted directly with the beams of intellectual, I don't know what you'd call it, effrontery, from, yeah. d- from Frank Herbert's face. It hit David Lynch, and finally he's like, okay, okay, maybe <laughs> I'll do it. makes so much sense. Uh, you know, because apparently, you know, I did research on David Lynch personally to do our Twin Peaks episode, which uh, I ended up doing actually with your lovely wife, Natalie, We yes. uh, on Wizard of the Bruiser. It was fantastic. And in my preparation for that, I learned that Eraserhead was largely based on his experience living in a very bad part of Detroit. And being a father for the first time. Yeah, and being a father for the first time in a really dangerous part of Detroit when Detroit was like, even back then, Detroit was like really bad. 
bad news. His house was getting broken into constantly. That's why, like, Eraser has this nightmare anxiety kind of thing. Uh, and then I feel like you could almost say Dune is like his experience with Hollywood. Truly, uh, absolutely. <laughs> it kind of shows. grotesque and disgusting and and, and indulgent, especially Harkonnen. Uh, the Harkonnen scenes are some of the most alienating. Well, to we me talked season. a little bit about this about how. They are purposefully, I'm going to use the word challenging. Yeah. He Ooh, makes them so really it's, fucked up. And it's the one thing yeah. about David Lynch that I, that's where he kind of misses the plot on this, which I don't even like to say because of how much I love David Lynch, is that he did not fully grok. I'm going to use Heinlein's term. I don't know why. He did not fully grok that <laughs> Harkonnen was also a very capable villain and not just a mm. caricature because right. which I also don't get because he nailed Petter he nailed yep. Duke Leto he yep. knows uh he did a really good job and I want to maybe accredit Kyle McLaughlin more yeah with the Paul kills it or him, Kyle kills it he does the conflict he plays the conflict of like it's very Hamlet uh mm -hmm. in the way Kyle McLaughlin does it. He he kind of understands he's in a weird place. And also it's got one of the best scenes in sci-fi film history, which is the put your hand in the box. Yeah. You know, like the hand yeah. in your box, the hand in the box scene, which we parodied for our character special. Put your hand in the box. What's up in that box? Like Goldilocks. Yeah, it's yeah. It's pain. <laughs> You know, like that's it's a game in your brain. Yeah, that part where they started singing though, it was that weird. Was weird. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, when MC Humpty thing. came out, I was yeah, like, what like, film that, is this? Look at the ass on that worm. And there's a worm just like twerking. Kind of doing a weird 80s version of twerking. Yeah, it was very upsetting. Don't even fucking say this shit because you know that's going to be in the new Dune. <laughs> you know there's going to oh be someone. Oh my God, that worm's going viral on TikTok. That someone's yeah, yeah, going to be yeah. like, go off, Worm King. Yeah, I stand. Is that worm singing Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo? Go wow, that's off. Captivating. Yeah, you uh, yeah, do you, sure. King Flex. I don't know. I'm just saying words. There's going to be so many people that have learned new slang on Twitter <laughs> yeah, at home dated. this year that are going to try so... to say it out loud in the next uh, year or so. And this is already dated, those words. Those words are already. Oh, yeah. Worms, worms twerking. Gone. That slaps. Um, but I will say, going back to some interesting information about the film, apparently actress Virginia Madsen, who plays Princess Irulan, she was signed on for three films. Yes. So was Kyle MacLachlan. The producers, quote, thought they were going to make Star Wars for grownups. Sure. Quote. So, I mean, yeah, well, it also it, shows how should have been Star Wars for goths. They I fucked mean, up in that. They sense. just technically it is Star Wars for goths. They just fucked it up because also when it comes down to it, goths, would you use a Bauhaus song to be the background of a car chase? Not necessarily. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so the goth temperament is there. It's just not quite all the way there which to yeah. me then brings us to frank herbert's children of dune because we skipped like i watched the original dune sci-fi miniseries one right. but you know again i was like if i'm going to not suffer but if i'm going to watch three hours of dune one i will choose david lynch's dune because also do you remember one thing about david lynch's dune that they fuck up is all the fighting they fuck up all the fighting yeah they fuck up all of the the idea of a sound weapon makes no sense you could have just used voice the, the Fremen stuff is bungled as all hell. And real quick, though, it's not all of this is totally Lynch's fault. I wanted no. to throw out there before we move on to the sci-fi series. There was a rough cut that ran forever four hours long. Woo. The intended cut for the film was three hours long. It ends up being two hours and 15 minutes long. And one of the things I originally was thinking in rewatching it this last time was like, oh, my God, 
They're just getting cast out to the desert, and we are well, well over halfway through this film. Oh, yeah. So we're talking about something that happens in the first, what, 100 pages of the book that's 600 pages long? And it's, it's the and we're first, now, they do the, well, actually, I was kind of even surprised upon this rereading of Dune 2. He actually was going very literal. The, the first book, I want to say it is about 150 pages until they're cast out into the desert, but right? it's about yeah. a third through. Yeah. The, the movie just has pacing issues. <laughs> sure. I think it's that- very <laughs> weirdly sleepy. It's very bizarrely sleepy. And I, I, that's the part. I think the whisper talking, the inner monologuing, just it puts you into a trance. It's maybe was intended, but I feel like it sometimes makes it hard, as you said, to get past the first hour. Regardless, they do a ton of re-editing. They shoot extra footage. They shot that footage of Princess Irulan doing the monologue at the beginning. That was all shot like after a rough cut was done yeah, to dude. try to like to try to seal it up and fix it to duct tape the whole thing together and make it not three hours, which I think was probably their big mistake. Do you remember how I made you sit the other night? Do you remember yes. how I made you sit and we watched all of the quote unquote deleted scenes from yes. David Lynch's Dune and we sat there and we watched and we watched <laughs> it and it was about 45 minutes and at the end of it, it was just one was literally an 18 minute cut of Princess Irulan just doing dialogue. And then there was that other scene where they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and they were like, what yeah. is this? Why are we yes. watching this? Honestly, was this I was- oh, I guess this wasn't crucial. I almost would have preferred a Lynch to go more Lynch on yes. this and just make it more abstract and crazy because I, it almost feels like him trying to be too literal with the source materials maybe what bit him in the ass because it was just so much story to so much plot. There, there actually is, you know, we talk about this. There's a lot of plot in that first book, unlike books two and four, right? Books yes. one and three, it's just like very There's a lot heavy. of plot, but plot is plop, which also, that's the truth. Is it what it comes down to? David Lynch could have used less plop and used a little bit more ideas in there, but when it comes down to it, I won't question David Lynch. David yeah. Lynch admittedly won't talk about it, and I think it's mostly because he's embarrassed because he got this big studio, uh, the, this big studio movie, and he didn't understand yet like, what are the lines in which I have to fight for things that are precious to me? What are things that I have to stick up for? What are things that I have to give in? How do I do certain notes? How do I approach this from the studio's yeah. angle, but also still put my views in there? Well, also, he was like, here's your three-hour movie. And they were like, no, it's got to be two hours. And he's like, I can't, what? physically can't do that. God, why did I have a 150-page script? And they're like, well, you should have figured that out, shouldn't you? So the nail in the coffin, I think, for Lynch getting his name removed from the film was actually after the film was released when they put an extended version on television. It was put out in two parts, totaling Whoa. 186 minutes. And uh, Lynch has his names taken off the credits. Apparently, they like added weird like still frame like production pre-pro imagery Why? to it to like during exposition stuff like the princess Irulan thing i think was extended like the one we saw in the special features they just essentially like oh we're gonna take your movie we're just gonna like make it longer and like add shit you don't want added and lynch was like take my name off and i find and now in hindsight too i think was just looking at it as like I was involved with not a kind of a schlocky production company. De Laurentiis has put out a lot of good stuff, but it's they've also put they're, they're the kind of production company that just throws a bunch of shit against the wall, and some of it's a success, but uh, most of it's terrible. Yeah, but now you look at how every now it's just everything's going to eventually be owned by two companies. Right. It's just going to be Marvel movies, DC, their whatever their IP is. I can't believe how this summer when that Mortal Kombat movie when the, the announcement came out from it, I was like, thank. 
Christ, it's a video game movie. <laughs> like I was just, I don't know how I was like, oh wow, good. There's actually something else besides Marvel, DC, right. and Star Wars. Uh, like there yeah, needs to be seriously. other films. And that's the thing. Now we're I at least enjoy we'll that have, stuff and it's just killing me, man. Dune will be coming back, and we know this. Price drop, time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. Denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But let's talk yeah, about yeah. Frank Herbert's doing a little bit. Now, yeah, I mostly yeah, yeah. skipped the first Frank Herbert's Dude, and I've watched it a couple times. Alec Newman as Paul is a really good Christian Slater version of Paul. Um, a, a perfect description. He is. Yeah. He's good at it. This is. Uh, he plays it again. They really go into the Hamlet side of his performance, especially in Frank Herbert's Children of Dune. The one thing I will say when I received Frank Herbert's Children of Dune is that what did I immediately do? Go to the end to see whether or not they were going to make him a worm. Yeah, see a giant worm. He went straight to the end of it. It doesn't happen because (laughs) I just get so upset. But the first half of the Frank Herbert's Children of Dune miniseries is Dune Messiah, which honestly, they try. At least they say the words, the golden path, which I go like, oh, they said it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, they said it, they did it. They definitely do some fan treatment in that sense where you do feel like, you know, they try to get as much stuff in there for fans of of the the thing. Uh, I'll also say, though, I think one of the hardest things, too, is just, again, kind of like we talked about the inner monologue issues with uh, David Lynch's Dune. This Dune has a lot of cuts to, like, dream sequences and visions and trying to, like, find things. And it's kind of hard to continue to make that compelling. It, you know what I mean? Well, they, As action, movement action in a thing, for their sure. Their goal with the miniseries was they were trying to make it really, really close to yeah, the original faithful. books. So they acquired the television television rights to Frank Herbert's original six do novels. Executive producer Richard P. Rubenstein. He also did Stephen King's The Stand, um, which I actually really like. I like that miniseries, but he also did The Langoliers. Yeah. And if there is ever a property that needs to be remade, it's the Langoliers. And I'm not even like shitting on the original about it's not even about shitting on it. It's just it wasn't done correctly. It needs to be done again. It's it's such a fun idea. And I can't believe it's just been sitting there for so fucking long. Honestly, my I actually my favorite Stephen King book is Four Past Midnight, which includes the Langoliers. Love the short story. It is great. I would love to see a full adaptation of those short stories under the four past midnight, like call it that and put all those stories. In fact, 
let's stop making like let's let's stop doing like it and the stand and let's take all of his awesome short stories that are all these like great little capsized little things that we can take in and enjoy Let's start pumping out like Creep Show or whatever it is. Well, now they got you know Creep I mean? Show. Creep Show is they do have some stories in there, and I honestly feel like that's just Stephen King waiting for when he's like eighty and he could start pulling the triggers and being a George R. R. Martin, yeah. where he just has so many television shows going, and then he just comes in in his wheelchair and goes, "Yep, make them take their shirts off." You know what I mean? <laughs> then you're like, "Great, thanks, Steve." <laughs> Good work. Um, but so according to Richard Rubenstein, he yeah. said, number one, he loves a miniseries because he said, I said, I found that there's a wonderful marriage to be had between long, complicated books and the television miniseries because they're just some books that can't be squeezed into a two hour movie. So what we got to do is squeeze them into six hours of fucking nonsense. He didn't say that, but I said that. He also loves eating Rubens. He says, it's not just my namesake. It's this delicious sandwich. It was you where we try came it. from. It's what we did. Um, but he said... He was really hopeful because he thought that the Dune saga would appeal to women because it features powerful it female should, characters. Right? It absolutely should. I, we've been saying this. I think it is really female safe. It's good for it. It's that, yes, it's for soft bodied men, but it's also for hard bodied women and all in between. But John, the director no, of the series, John two. Harrison, <laughs> just those two, that's it. Uh, John, the director, they really, the goal is to do an incredibly faithful interpretation. And yes, what does that mean? Is. is that much like Exorcist 3, which we brought up last night when we were watching these films, The Exorcist 3 was written and directed by William Peter Blatty. Now, William Peter Blatty wrote the novel of Exorcist, right? And the one thing about Exorcist 3 and things like Frank Herbert's Dune is that if you take something that is entirely literary and which is also interesting because Exorcist 3 also starred uh, Brad Dourif um, but if you take an author's vision of a book and then turn it into a movie it begins to sort of feel like a book uh-huh. on its feet and it feels like a book it feels like you're reading but you kind of wish you were seeing more Frank Herbert's Dune while it is very it is much more faithful it's dry because there's a lot of yeah. book stuff in it and there's not a lot of the action. There's a lot of long talking in it. And, but, and, and what also kind of, even though while I do like it, I like that there's so much book stuff in it. You know what I mean? They throw a Jackarudu in there. They um, talk B-jazz about Spanish Bogan. They talk B-jazz about is fucking, fucking B-Jazz has got a huge weed, fucking part in that fucking movie. He's <laughs> all about it. Fucking B-Jazz represent B-Jazz Nation. <laughs> yeah, B-Jazz Nation, fucking- by the way. I, if, Rude Dooners, if you're not repping a B-Jazz hat, a B-Jazz Dude. letter jersey, then I don't know what the fuck to do with you. B-Jazz is our Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Like me, B jazz should be you out there. You think it would dude. be a worm, but we were going no, with B jazz. It is a no. B. It's B jazz on a worm. B jazz in a sauna. That's where he yeah. should be tw- tweeting from. He should, that's where he should be twitching dick from. Sucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dick sucking a hot dog, man. B jazz got knows going on. I can't believe he gets fucking murdered for that no reason, dude. He's just a messenger. Out. Dude. That woman submerged in a hot tub trying to suck a dick. I don't that's how, know how I want to go, man. Go. Yeah, that's just upsetting. Uh, Hell yeah, B jazz. But the. Book is, yes, it doesn't nail the sci fi series. It doesn't nail the look. It's for the fan. It's for fan. It's fans of the book. I'm a fan of the book. If it's a sci fi series, the David Lynch art design with what 
sci-fi did. Like, if those two were together, it would be the single most perfect dude interpretation that exists on film. Because you need the two. You need, I love the, Dune is dry. So what, for people that don't get it, right? For the, for fucking, for plebes, Dune Norms. is dry. Norm, normies. I Noobs. hate the term normie, but I will just say yes for those. It is players. dry. But what, players. For players. Players. They won't get it. Yeah, yeah. They won't get it. But you know what they need? <laughs> Honestly, Museum Fremen is who it's for. Oh, but you know what right. they need? Yeah, it's a Dune podcast, bro. <laughs> it needs flavor. The thing right. about the David Lynch's Dune is that, you know what it's fucking killer for? Eating a couple of caps, throwing it on a projector behind on a fucking wall while sure. synth music plays on top of it. You get It some- really is uh, that perfect movie that is on the projector screen of a Bushwick bar that sells yes. mostly Paps Blue Ribbon. Yeah, right? Do you feel me? Yes. Like all those bars always had a projector screen in the corner. And, it's my favorite. Uh, that's, it's my favorite but because the visuals are so rich. Yeah. You're actually transported to what feels like an alien world. You're seeing things from an alien perspective. Like you are watching. Like when I looked at David Lynch's dude, what I see is history. I see lived in environments. I see like, oh, they are there. They are actually these are things, even though they look stupid, these are things that they wear. Because do you remember the stupid the fucking eclair hat they put on B. Jaws and Frank Herbert's I mean, dude. Look, this Poor B. Jaws right. gets done dirty in that with that stupid the croissant whole, hat. This was my big note because again, and you're right, I was kind of launching into Lynch's dude on the negative, and I shouldn't have, right? Because we were like, let's keep it positive for this stuff. Let's not be too critical here. And but I will just all I'm gonna throw out there is that the fucking and space sci-fi costume design in general, right? But absolutely, this one is no exception of like, I just don't believe that in the future, the idea is like, let me just dress as ridiculously an asshole-like as possible. Do you remember when the woman sat there? I believe it was Susan Sarandon playing Princess Wincentia. Which and they I made that plot she... much bigger in the in the Seer miniseries for some reason. Yeah, why was she's, she there? She's so good. Sorry, I didn't mean to. She's, I can't believe she's in it. She's amazing in it. She's, she's hot great. in it. She's looking great. She's so talented. But the thing, they, the hat she's wearing in that, she's wearing a baby's mobile, right? She's wearing <laughs> one of those things that's above a cradle, and it's on her head. And you can kind of see, just like her as a human, as an actor, she's acting, and the prongs of it are like, touching the tip of her nose like you can kind of see, be like that must be incredibly uncomfortable for you to wear you're wearing a salad spinner yeah you can barely speak in it you have to act like you're an important princess with this shit on but you actually it's not it doesn't work there has to be a a, a, a balance because the reverend mothers you remember they give them all those gold fedoras in, yeah yeah in frank herbert's dune and it's like no man they're supposed to look like monks like nuns it's supposed oh, to look t- like unapproachable it's just one of those things i understand that they're trying to put a spin on it so it's not like i'm mad at it but there there are parts of this that like when you miss the dune tone you kind of miss the magic from in my mind there's a magic inside of dune that is this completely human world that it's a human-led future. So if you're going to go into far, 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 far into the future and you want to depict this, you still, in my mind, 
They have to be environments that they'd actually live in, except for chair dogs, because they still haven't seen anybody who's willing to put a chair dog in something. So happy. Yeah, they don't include that. Or, um, and clothes that humans would actually wear. Not yeah, so, unlike the new fucking Yeezys. Have you seen these new Yeezys that nah, just look yeah, like you're I've wearing a bramble bush? We're just being like, these aren't shoes. <laughs> it's, it's a, you know what I blame? I blame the fifth element. Luke Besson's <laughs> fifth element. He got the costume designer for that was the, uh, uh, you know, couture house motherfucking Jean-Paul Gaultier. But honestly, I feel like since that movie came out, every other costume designer is like, you know who every character in this movie should kind of be based on? Chris Tucker's character in The Fifth Element. They should all <laughs> just be dressed like complete fucking assholes in the most absurd way. Like, instead of just trying to make like slightly more grounded choices uh, on that sort of thing. It is just so funny to me. And I think that is the kind of thing for a lot of people like myself coming from like fantasy or whatever that approaches sci-fi and film and it becomes impenetrable because immediately we're met with this kind of stuff that we're just like, why would people well, dress like that? You're just not smoking <laughs> the right weed. It really right, just comes right. down to, you really have to get yourself into a space mindset because I know that when it comes to fantasy, because you and I are flipped, right? Because you're way more fantasy than sci-fi. Yes. I'm way more sci-fi than fantasy where I want messy sci-fi. What I love, like- if you read the books of PKD and you get through that, you actually read his novels. They do so much cleansing. Like that's the same thing with all, both of the, like I, I, that's why I appreciate sci-fi's Frank Herbert's Dune because they left it messy, even though I didn't really agree with the artistic choices in terms of the art direction, the, if they left it this sort of like hangdog, real, whatever's inside of Dune, they put out there. They they did the plot and you're just locked in because you are hopefully watching this because you want to know the actual plot of Dune. Where other like interpretations of Philip K. Dick, like Blade Runner, just for instance, they made it, even though I love Ridley Scott's original Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner 2049 kind of shit the bed. But I love the original. Interesting, as we're about to be talking about that director, go on. Um, I, I do, I love it. It's just the, uh, they made it into a plot you can understand, right? They yeah. made it into an action movie, which makes sense. You're making a movie. But there's a part of it where it's like the, the book, though, is so idiosyncratic and so weird. Like all of Philip K. Dick stuff, it really does feel like what he said, that they were not fantasy worlds, that they were actual alternative presence that he could see yeah. like that they were things they were literally they were lateral timelines that he was seeing in his mind and channeling so they do again they feel lived in it feels like a world that you are walking into and you may not understand it at first but it's something that everybody else within the world of the book understands which you could i mean maybe hate me for this which you could kind of say is why star wars works so well because the sure. new hope just feels like you're just it just goes off running it starts running world. and you're just yeah. in it but star wars was written to be a movie versus yeah, and was written to be and very by the numbers and very and but but i this is the he argument he was telling a make. classic hero's tale like he you, was stealing from dune to tell a classic hero's tale in a new hope but Dune, the first book, is also a classic hero's tale. So I am very excited about this new film. We've talked about that already, but because I think they're finally going to figure out how to bring, at least for this, these two movies, I need them to make Timothy Chalamet be a worm man, even though he's not, he's Paul. Denise Villanueva knows what the hell he's talking about. He knows what the fuck he's doing, obviously. My only criticisms 
of Blade Runner 2049 was the Harrison Ford scenes because I actually mm. love all of that movie, except I felt that the Harrison Ford scenes could just be lifted out because Harrison Ford, everybody else is in future clothing and doing all of this like crazy bullshit. And it's this intricate, mysterious plot. Harrison Ford looks like he is acting in his sleep with a black t-shirt on. <laughs> he just showed no costume. He's got a yeah. t-shirt on. It looks like he rolled in from the trailer to the, in front of the camera. And he's just like, turn it on. It's like obviously a man in a green screen costume, but they're just like putting deep fake technology on his face. It's just like, to make him Harrison Ford so he can act from his Santa Barbara mansion. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like flapping or his arms around. Yeah, I hear you on that. But yeah, I know that Denise Villanueva is going to know what he's doing. But yeah, he I did think- Enemy, Sicario. Arri- I really enjoyed Arrival. Amy Adams, Arrival, Arrival. Fantastic. And of course, Blade Runner 2049. He has directed this new Dune film. Another thing I love, which we obviously I've already lamented about when we talked about david lynch's experience making dune and that would definitely be the fact that he just made it a two movie deal which is something i don't think that was even in existence before lord of the rings to be honest they wanted lord of the rings to be the whole fucking trilogy to be one movie you know what i mean because uh, uh, peter jackson was a relatively unknown director at the time and they gave him the reins to this shit they didn't know what they were actually committing to and didn't know the actual scope of his vision and how he would create because lord of the rings still stands up as probably the I mean, this is where people the are going to come adaptation for me. One of the of best a, adaptations of yeah. all time, especially the extended editions. They're just yeah, fantastic. Yeah. They're not boring. I watch because like Natalie is no interest in this shit. And we watched it, each one of those four hour movies and she loved every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when my wiener gets hard, I call that my extended edition. Woo! Fuck yeah. Uh, Bring it back to Rude Dooner. <laughs> Rude Dooners. Set fire to what was it? Your trash can. Yeah. Be Jobs. Um, but that's let's also talk a little bit about Jodorowsky's Dune. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I jumped the gun a little bit. I was like, oh, I guess we'll circle back to. Yeah. Let's talk about Jodorowsky's Dune. Jodorowsky's uh, Dune is a what a wonderful documentary that doc. goes through Alejandro Jodorowsky, who in within our friend group. One of our favorite movies of all time as a group is The Holy Mountain. Yeah, back when Murder Fist was Murder Fist full steam, we were getting into making our own uh, sketches uh, to throw up online, trying to understand YouTube because it just sort of happened to us, and we were really thinking we could just do a theater show and then get a TV show. Because that's what we were told. (laughs) (laughs) It was a mistake. (laughs) But uh, that was not the truth because then all of a sudden it was like, hey, this fucking idiot got three million views. I guess we'll give them a TV deal. He was like, oh, we put all the work in. Fuck. Um, and we couldn't figure it out. But I will say, back in that time, yes, uh, especially around that time, we were gravitated towards Holy Mountain, towards yes, his, his, all, all, all of his, of his work, great work because El Topo I, and yeah, I love El Topo, even though there's a lot of nude boy in it. Um, I still love that film. But Alejandro Jodorowsky, he was attracted to Dune, and he began the process of making his own Dune film that was going to be. Though I think they said the most expensive movie ever made. The film rights were snapped up early by a film producer in 1971. That film producer dies, but they uh, they ended up getting reverted. And producer Jean-Paul Gibbon got the rights after that with Alejandro Jodorowsky attached to direct. And man, the team he pulls together. I'm going to say just right now, before we even get into this, uh, I like teared up at the end of this documentary. Definitely watch the documentary. It's called Jodorowsky's Dune. And it, um, it, because it was the story of, of, you know, 
a project that should have been. It should have s- been. This and you is see a- how it got thrown to the wayside, and you just and it makes you think about all the projects you had that didn't go because of dumb shit. All the projects that sh- that probably the, some of the all best of your movies favorites. ever made were never made because uh, they fell through because of production. Some some executive in a suit felt it was just not feasible or but, how many uh, times yeah. you know like even how many do you you pitch something and then you find out mm-hmm. that the person has like you know it's gonna be a great show and everybody's excited about it but for then one producer hates shovels and there's yes. a shoveling scene and, and now shovel they're, getting rid, yeah, yeah. they're getting rid of the pilot because they he ate shovels molested by a shovel when they were you know a man named shovel which is actually a very <laughs> unique name um but the jodorowsky's dude Shows that he also, because he's so out there, right? Yeah. The the movie was maybe probably never going to get made, only just because the man himself was so strange. And his movies are so art house, art house, art house, art house to the absolute extreme, to the point where George Harrison in The Holy Mountain, George Harrison of the Beatles was supposed to be the lead dude in that movie. And that was a huge <laughs> get for Jodorowsky. And there's a scene in The Holy Mountain where the main dude, and this is not exaggeration, he washes his asshole for about a minute and a half, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, know if you awesome. remember yeah, the yeah. scene. It, yeah, it's yeah. like I, I rewatched the movie not that long ago, and it is a full-on between-the-ass-cheeks washing his asshole camera right on it and george harrison who was gonna finance the film (laughs) be that dude Uh uh-huh all he asked was alejandro love you baby Uh, let me do it correctly alejandro couldn't be more excited to be in the film there friend you will watch yes you will watch the asshole you will watch it vigorously oh this is the thing there friend no (laughs) um can we cut the asshole scene. George asked if can we cut uh, the asshole washing scene. Si, pero no. Uh, porque uh, necesito. He said straight up <laughs> that this scene is so important to this film that not only can you not be in this movie. Now but it's going to be longer. I yeah, won't yeah. take your money. I am not going to take oh, your wow. money and I am not going to have you be in this movie. And then Alejandro Man. Jodorowsky cast himself. Yes, he did. Which is and it's fan and Holy Mountain is an cl- indie classic. It's amazing, um, and I think what makes Yodorowsky's Dune so yes, by all means, I shouldn't be like, wow, this would have been the greatest sci-fi film ever made. But listen to this team of collaborators that he pulls together. And this is why it's not just that he was uh, going to direct it; it is that he pulls in. H.R. Geiger. I mean, yes. we, you know, after this movie, Geiger's going to go on to become famous for the design of the xenomorphs. In, oh, yeah. Uh, and and famous Alien. to everybody that is fucking horny for tubes. Yeah. For forever. And killing and just horny for dark BDSM kind of stuff. I, I was fascinated with him from early on. Um, he's obviously brilliant. He's probably the most notable uh, household name for, for at least uh, us in the uh, Americas. I mean, I don't know. Have- the big one. With Salvador Dali, yeah, as the yeah emperor. never mind. How how dare I? Yeah, the casting. Well, Salvador Dali is the emperor. They get along apparently pretty famously at first. Apparently, they end up having political differences, right? Oh yes, because the one thing that he really got into because uh, Yadorowski was very uh, political, but Salvador Dali was ah. specifically unpolitical to the point where he sort of vaguely. Um, supported the dictator Francisco Franco during the Spanish Revolution. Um, <laughs> right. I don't know how you get there. 
Um, <laughs> but that's that's what happens. Sometimes if we don't choose a side, you end up choosing a side against yourself. You've got Orson Welles as Baron Harkon, and I love that they have Mick Jagger as Fade Rautha. That would have been incredible. Casting. Uh, Udo Kier as Peter DeVries. You've seen that guy in a bunch of stuff. Love Udo. And David Carradine as Leto Atreides. It's an incredible, incredible cast. But also those, I mean, having Dali on set, having Orson Welles on set would have probably added to just the collaboration. Going back to the art and set and character design, after Geiger, you have Jean Giraud. You might know him as Mobius. Uh, yeah, dude, you- Mobius, bro. If you want to, he's a cartoonist and artist that is really who we have to thank for the type of cities you see in the film Blade Runner and the film The Fifth Element. He he was really the first guy to sit down and create those incredible landscapes with the flying cars and the whole crazy packed in uh, uh, wild cityscapes, uh, futuristic cityscapes. Like he, he was major force behind that. And honestly, just in doing Wizard and the Bruiser and researching all sorts of different projects and sci-fi and things, it always goes back to Moby. He is like getting him was so important, I think, and so, so amazing. But uh, almost on the same level, you have Chris Foss. And if you look at the art for the film Jodorowsky's Dune for the documentary, uh, that's his art that you usually see that big, vibrantly beautiful spaceship. He is known for his science fiction novel cover art. Just look him up. Look up Chris Foss, uh, sci fi novel cover art or something it's of the so like sweet. on Google. And yeah, he did a bunch of art for for like Isaac Asimov's books. He is it, I love I love like I follow this uh, Instagram. I think it's called Vintage Sci-Fi Art and I've realized like that's a lane I fucking love. Like ominous, terrifying giant spaceships Me and too. structures. I, that's and why I like just, sci-fi cuz again yeah. it's really allowing yourself to get lost in the world and the one thing that Yodorowsky's Dune was supposed to do was it was really supposed to be otherworldly. He was supposed to do which no one was really doing at the time. He accidentally invented the sci-fi summer blockbuster within, if you watch Jodorowsky's Dune, that's kind of what it's all about. That he like, he got this team of crazy artists. Like, you know, now we see Marvel do uh, ILM, like all those groups. They get these Uh crazy groups, Disney, they all get together. They get the best of the best. And then they give up millions of dollars and say, go make something that's going to make me money. And this was supposed to be very impressive. Yeah. I, I just think that he, he just, it was wrong time, wrong place. I think that if he was trying to, if this guy existed wrong time years later, yeah. Because Salvador Dali famously asked for the biggest amount of money an actor had ever been asked for. He said, I will not do it unless you give me $2 million. <laughs> and they raised it. And so then he was locked in, which is also very funny because it's for the first real, like, give me yeah. my money, like Tom Cruise style. And uh, I guess apparently the thing essentially grew to become something again, I think would actually still be sellable today after a lot of trial and error when it comes to these types of franchises. But it it ballooned into a 10 to 14 hour epic and the and budget was so inflated. And I think that executives saw this. And I mean, I'm just going to repeat it again. I think if they saw this today, they would be a little less hesitant than they were back then. They it were depends like, oh, on who it oh, is. This is impossible. It depends yeah, on yeah. if you and I show up with a character Bible in a world Bible, which we were told to do by several agents. And mm-hmm. then you show up with a world Bible. And then they look at you as if you brought 
a box of human shit into a room and gave it to yeah. them. And they'd go like, what is this? But if you're J.J. Abrams right. and you show up with a World Bible, they're all like, look at all this creativity. Then they like it. So that yeah. really depends on who you are. And, and we've who you tried know. a bunch of different ways because then there was also that one time we came in with just the Gideon's Bible. And we're just like, here's it. Here, fucking here's, here's your fucking, fucking movie. And then the one person's like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. I believe God sucks his own fucking <laughs> cook. And we're like, yeah, whoa, yeah. dude. Whoa, cool. Whoa. And whoa. then he rips his mask off and it's B-Jazz. We're like, B-Jazz, get into the blood, fucking dude. Hollywood studio. Fucking good work, B-Jazz, man. Dude, you are fucking, we are going to get so fucking I'm going to get so high with you, I'm going to get sober. You know I don't even I mean? want to fucking sell this, dude. I want to party to like throw up with you, b Josh. Dude, if I licked the palm of your hand, I'd get high on edibles, I bet. Just go watch the movie. Jodorowsky's Dune, you will learn quite a bit. It is really, really interesting. I believe there is a book you can just look up. They also got the Blu-ray, which has a bunch of shit that's uh, attached to it. According to sci-fi.com, there's another uh, book that is they're, they're trying to work on. They're trying to work on a book of art that has not come out yet for Jodorowsky's Dune, but it really is very inspiring to see what it's like to watch someone fail. But they also, you learn quite a bit. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know what I'd like to do, though, before we end, before we start talking a little bit more personally? I'd like to look up and have you look up with me Grimes's Gady Primes album. And I would like us to try to listen to a song and see how we react. We're here at Spotify. I feel like I might be able to play some of this music. I'll find out legally. I'm certain. But there is this. I didn't get to listen to this album. So Grimes' first album, Elon Musk's Cigarette of a Girlfriend, Wife, Mm -hmm. whatever she is. I like her music. She Her first album was a Dune concept album. And I kind of just want to listen to this first song, Caladan, and see what it sounds like. Uh, yeah, sure. Honestly, if anyone was to do this, Henry, for all of our sakes, I think it should be Grimes. Like, this sounds, isn't this kind of the what you, the noises you make to mimic what a sci-fi kind of futuristic... This is Dooney. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I am listening to this. This is very, very Dooney. I'm going to look at it. I'm clicking on yeah. Soul Face Dancer. Sounds like Face Dancer, kind of way a Face Dancer would walk. I can hear a Face Dancer walking down the street while this plays. I yeah, can I like hear it. her. She sounds like a lost girl in space. That's what she sounds like. I'm now on Soul Face Dancer. <laughs> 
It's fine. So far, it's fine. I like it. I like it. It's kind of tuneless. It's very duney. This is fine. People like this. I'm now going to switch to Shout Out Mapes, the end of the album. All right. Okay, it's a little, little darker. Shout Out Mapes, big ups. Ooh. I don't know why she chose this one. I don't know why of all the people she wrote a song about it was Shout Out Mapes, so that's cool. Oh, yeah, it's a little scary. Yeah. Okay. No, this is good. No, dude, she's actually perfect for this sort of thing. This was all self-recorded, cool. too, apparently. I bet, yeah, because this is like before she was on the map at all. This is pretty sweet. I could definitely do heroin and listen to this yes. while reading Dune. Yeah, she's kind of making that noise. Um, yeah. She's scary. Yeah, she's fun. I think she's scary, honestly. This scares me. I love it. No one would read the books if they knew that it was coming like this. But, All right. Yeah, okay. Are we allowed to yeah, stop? Yeah, can we please stop? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, we're done. <laughs> um, before we, before you, you were saying we were going to close out, I just real quick, uh, going back to this this Dune film, I am very interested in Dune 2021. Absolutely. Uh, co-written by John Spahitz, who did, um, oh my God, classics. That Tom Cruise mummy reboot. Oh, finally, great. John also did Prometheus. Oh, wow. What a brilliant entry. film that was. <laughs> uh, but you also have Eric Roth, who wrote Forrest Gump and A Star is Born. Wow. So we'll uh, really try to see if it's good. I do love that it's a two-movie deal. Absolutely. Which also, if you've read the book, that's got to be interesting to you as well, because one would think it would culminate with the ending of the book. But no, it's going to be like straight up halfway, half and half. Apparently, how it's cut out, which I think is great. I imagine by the you are going to have, uh, he is going to get to the Fremen, and then it will be over. I think the first one will be all of the beginning, and he will go to the desert. He will arrive with the Fremen, and that the second half will be the Fremen and him versus the Harkonnens. That's my call. Oh, and and real quick before I move off of this, and then the the cast is fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's everybody. Zendaya. Timothy Chalamet, Chalamet, Ding Dong, Oscar who's just, Isaac, he's there, Oscar Isaac, who's Bay, Amazing. They got, what's his Javier name? Javier Bardem. Who I'm very excited. Jason he's going to be a great Stilgar. Javier, Mar oh, Javier just, Bardem's the shit. Super handsome. Rebecca Ferguson yeah. is beautiful and talented. Super excited to see what she's doing. Honestly, I can't wait for the movie. I will be there front and center. Hold and I getting our still suits. Yep, we'll get in our still. No, I'm going to dress up like Sub-Zero because we were supposed to dress up like Mortal Kombat characters to go see that. So I'm just going to dress up like Sub-Zero and go to I'm Dune. going as a worm. Uh, you're cool with that. You go dude, as a worm. No. I'll be dressed as Sub-Zero. You know what we need to do, we'll man? Be Jaws, dude. Yeah, Tell people dude. we're be Jaws because they won't know. I'll be B and you'll Jaws. be Jaws. And, and that's we'll how we'll figure around. it out. Yeah, I'm B and he's Jaws. We'll get that croissant legs and you be his. Yeah, <laughs> that he wears. We'll get that hat. Henry, I'm almost more excited about this series coming to, uh, is it HBO? Oh, yes, the uh, Benny Gesserit series. Dune Sisterhood, which is based on the book Sisterhood of Dune. Legendary Television is producing. and But what I think I, I'm so fascinated by it is it is a spinoff of... See, it is a spinoff series based on the book uh, with the same name, but it's also a spinoff. It is a specifically a prequel to the Dune 2021 film. Interesting. So, Villeneuve. Oh, so it's Villeneuve, all tied together. Why are they doing this? Yes. Can they just be all so individual? Villeneuve That's cool. It's is, fine. It's fine. It's cool. Dennis cool, 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 cool. Villeneuve is directing the series pilot. No shit. He, he, 
Yeah, it's like written by. It's all okay. It's like that's the cool same, as fuck. That yeah, that is very so very be cool. Connected. It'll be. It, I think it's just really blowing out that concept of giving Dune a cinematic universe. Because which the, I honestly, Henry, if I were you, I'd be psyched because that means they're really trying to make it like an ongoing, continually. I would love it. I'd love to see thing. if they had the fucking balls to get to God Emperor. If they're they can do it, a movie and a TV show, and if they're going to do it in different formats, then I think they could put a version of God Emperor out. Fuck, dude, who knows? It could be animated. It could oh, be like be sweet. that new Invincible show. I mean, who knows? I mean, it could. You know what I you mean? Know it what? could be whatever uh, they want if they're going to make it a cinematic universe. Benny Jesseret really deserve a show because the Benny Jesseret, especially upon mm-hmm. my rereading of Heretics and Chapter House, they they really snuck up on me of how much I love them and how they are just a, such a cool group to play with. In terms of personalities, it's great premium television. Them versus the Tleilaxu versus the Ixians versus Guild Navigators, all that kind of shit. I hope that they do it all. I cannot wait. But I still want to propose one day I will make my own God Emperor. I do believe that God Emperor film should. We talked a little bit about this, Holden. Wouldn't it be fun to do a movie? Where it opens on the beginning of God Emperor. Like, what happens? Like, we see the God Emperor. We meet. Uh, it, it's him with the Major Domo. They are hanging out. It's the very beginning. And then it's one of those, like, God Emperors, like, how did we get here? And then it cuts to, like, you don't do Dune 1 at all. Because now Dune 1 has been done, 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 done. You started God Emperor. Then you revert back to Dune Messiah. You do about 15 minutes on Dune Messiah where he just shows that Paul only made it this far and then he died or whatever, quote unquote, he disappeared into the desert. Then it's Children of Dune mixed with more flash forwards to God Emperor, like all of the weird meanderings, like whenever the kids go into their spice trances and see the future. It cuts to scenes from God Emperor where it's just him doing his political discourse and 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 him like killing various Duncan Idaho's and all that kind of shit. And then in yeah. the end, you go back to the ending of God Emperor after the ending yes. of Children of Dune. It's only a five hour movie. Yeah, but I also like how we talked about like, I like how more and more the concept of time restraints when it comes to media is just flying out. Absolutely. So I also love it. We also were joking about how like the first thing would be like three hours long. The next thing would be 20 minutes. Yes. And then the next thing would be, you know what I mean? And and it's all just sort of like, it doesn't matter. We just need to tell these stories because Dude Messiah, how does that exist next to a two film a Hollywood blockbuster adaptation of Dune. You do what Frank Herbert's Dune did for the Sci-Fi Network, which is you make Dune Messiah only like a half an hour. Yeah. And then it's like the rest of its plot because Dune Messiah is just him being like, I can't imagine my future and him like rolling around on the grate and and him dying in the end. Like there is obviously the vague plot of trying to get him to commit suicide, but it's so small, like it's so light that you're really trying to get to Children of Dune to set up God Emperor. You know, I think also what we're describing is the structure of Cloud Atlas. Whoa. So why don't we just do Cloud Atlas, but Dune. Why don't we just do like a, uh, what is it called? A palindrome? What is it? A palindrome or whatever? I think or, it's uh, called a cum-filled dick stopper. Oh my God. I just- I think I it's just, called a- I just wrote Tenet. I just wrote Tenet. tenet. Oh no, Tenet. <laughs> we got all the way back to Tenet. How did we get back I here? I hate it. 
I hate it. But yeah, that's like I'd I'd almost be more interested in a from a storytelling sense, uh, a Dune where we do see three thousand years from now at a glimpse, and then we go to the beginning. Yeah, uh, you know, the first book, and then we jump. You that's know, that's what I, mean? what I always we, say. We I think it should be like that. Reapproach how it should be, because told. a part of what Dune's all about is that: are we locked into fate? Or is a yeah. fate this fate a thing that we decide? Because that's really what it comes down to. Is Paul engineering the future? And that is why Leto 2 decides to do what he does, because he understands mm-hmm. that I am no longer engineering the future. I am actually living the future. Or is it's it the opposite, yeah. Holden? Is yeah. it that Paul is just living the future and Leto 2 decides, oh, I need to manufacture a future? Okay, we do it like the movie Clue. Like in every different Madeline Kahn's got to be in it. We got to dig up her bones. Got to be in it. She dead. Bring her back. Tired, tired of falling. You make a goal. Yeah, we got to bring her back. But we also like how you'd go to a different theater, and depending on what theater you went to, that's what ending you got. You never knew what ending you were gonna get. We do that, but for the whole movie, never know what movie you're gonna see. Dune in the theaters. Yeah, we release Dune, but you don't know whether it's gonna be the first book. Dune Messiah, yes. you don't know if you might be walking in and watching just a man in a worm body and be like, how did we get here? Why haven't we sold a movie? I <laughs> Right? Why haven't we sold a movie? This very easy. No one gets the same experience. If you don't just, know. You don't know what it's going to be, bro. You you commit to a $20 experience. You don't even know what movie you're going to you get. You could be a, an hour of a Leah training nude and then just yeah. like talking about like the the souk doctor training it could just be that yeah it could just be following gurney around with the fucking uh, the yeah the following gurney around with the smugglers that's a movie fucking too worm's eye view it's literally just a camera mount a gopro mounted to a worm's where head where is the just, fucking hour and a half sequence of duncan <laughs> idaho's getting murdered it's just Andy Warhol's sleep it's just a guy sleeping for six hours and we just have it's you make you watch just it. God Emperor trying to get onto his cart for an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes. I'm just been like, maybe we could lower it. And they have to do the thing where they go like, deep, uh, deep, deep, deep. You ever been on the bus when someone's trying to get on with a wheelchair? And then it's so sad because <laughs> yeah. in New York, because everyone goes like, oh, they all like hate the poor right. person uh, with a, his, whose body is Why you got the legs go, Why, why can't, can't you fix that? I got to go to work. Yeah. And meanwhile, it's going to be deep. Deep, deep, deep. I got to go pretend to be a lawyer, even though I'm not one, in a, in a court of trial. I was fired six days ago, and I've been pretending to have a job ever since because my wife's going to leave me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then God Emperor just deep, struggling to get deep. on the cart. It's like, uh, just start making comment on it. You know I don't have legs. Aren't you curious as to whether or not I have a No, it is, buddy. really. Buddy, I got a wife that's fucking literally got a foot out the fucking door. My kids don't even know my fucking name. Look, I'll show you some, but there's a little tendril I have. It's filled with this spice melange. Oh, maybe I should suck on it. <laughs> oh, fuck now. I'm seeing my whole oh future. My I'm God. screwed. I see my whole future. My wife's definitely fucking leaving me. No, this is fucking garbage, dude. I hate this movie. <laughs> yeah, man. There's so many things that you can show and do that they won't do. Man, release me from this. Duncan, I know this is the thing. I'm afraid to end it. I'm afraid (laughs) to end it. It's been too long. Duncan Idaho teaching guys how to fuck better. That's a good sketch. Inward, outward. Don't give them what they want. Give them too much of what's good.
Look, just because I my fucking wife left me doesn't mean you gotta be showing me how to fuck this fucking. Ah, plot. but if you don't learn how to fuck properly, you will always be hypnotized by their pussies. Hey, hey! Now fuck her right, fuck her right. <laughs> Quit looking hey. at me, dude. I can't, I can't get it up. How am I supposed to do hey. this like this? She's some kind of hey. witch. It's scary to me, bro. She's got callous feet, dude. She's gonna kill me, bro. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it real bad. Do it better. I don't like the way you're doing it. Oh, I hate this, bro. I can't keep it up. <laughs> um, This is great. Why is this guy in this scenario? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This poor Why man. Is this guy just trying to get to work. All? I just want... <laughs> his wife's he's leaving. Trying to to his, he's him. just trying to go to his fake job so that his <laughs> wife won't leave him. But it is going to come. Yeah, so you might actually get a ticket to not have a job, guys. Chronicles of Dude. Why can't we sell a film? Or we need to be making movies. <laughs> um, but guys... We have reached yeah. the end of LPN Deep Dives Dune. I hope that this Even went deep you enough. You say you're going to make me do another we one. We might be so doing it. another one. We haven't decided <laughs> what the topic is going to be. That's up to the very powerful Swedes at Spotify. Um, we just want to say thank you to Spotify. Uh, bless the maker to you. You're the maker. You allowed us to do this. Um, I want to say thank you to Rob Oki, our editor, who has been crushing it this whole time. Created all of the wonderful soundscapes for Dune Theater. I uh, want to thank Joel McKean for any sort of uh, research that he gave us, especially during the Frank Herbert's biography episode. I want to thank my wife for not leaving me. Um, I want to thank Holden's wife for staying with him as well. Yes. Um, you know, I kept it from her. I didn't really make her be a part of what this was. Uh for good reason, good. and I think she's happier for yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Always keep baby it separate. Bigger. Uh, make sure you listen to all the other shows in LPN. Uh, last podcast uh, and left. I'm just Wizard and the Bruiser, page seven, pop history. Abe Lincoln's top head. We got someplace underneath. Someplace um, underneath. No Fraudsters. dogs in space. Fraudsters. Brighter side. Uh, the story must be told. We got a lot of shows. Check them out, and hopefully we will see you again in deep dive territory. I wonder where we'll go, Holden. You said you're going to make us read uh, the two books that end the whole thing. I don't think it's going to. I don't know how I'm going to end up. That's for episode 13. When we come back, you're going to have to read again. Oh, the next series. Oh, dude, it could be anything. It could be anything, bro. We've got a lot of ideas. I didn't want to say anything. I don't don't know if it's going to happen or not. But this is how you I feel like if it. I say out loud the things I want, then it somehow is going to be the things I don't we want. Don't, so I don't like giving say, people. I like to surprise them yeah. with what we might do. But we, are, we have some ideas, and I'm really very excited. Um, but thank you for joining us. And remember, from the great words of Lido 2, only fools prefer the past. And that's why we keep moving on. Moving on forward Whatever, like a man. worm till it's too tired and it goes to sleep because it's been ridden hard and left wet in the stable. <laughs> yeah, this is sweet. And now for another selection from Dune Theater. We now join Timothée Chalamet and Zendaya on the set of Dune back in 2019. Yeah, girl! 2020 is gonna be fucking lit. I can't wait. 
This man is gonna come out for sure. Everybody's gonna love me. They're gonna be like, hey, Timothy, how you doing? And I'm gonna be like, my name's fucking Paul. All right? No doubts about that shit happening. Definitely gonna happen. Definitely gonna be spending our time around the world in 2020. And then we're gonna go to Barcelona, because that's where my seventh house is. And then we're gonna go to New York City, because that's where dreams are made of. It's something you can't do. Right tonight. Tim, shut where shut up, Timothy. I need you. I, Timothy. Diet needs you to shut the fuck up. I'm trying to go over my lines. <clears throat> Here we go. Zendaya, you sound fucking gross. You sound ugly. <laughs> Zendaya, you sound fucking gross. You used to be hot. What's wrong with you? Have you won an Emmy? Okay, let me do my lines. <clears throat> Oh, Paul, I love you. Wow, what a great dynamic part I have in this movie. Yeah, you know what I love about your part, Zendaya? It's how much it sets up my part, Paul. Because that's me. Paul Atreides. The king of wormlords. Anyway, 2020 is going to be off the hook. I can't wait. How active? Uh, we're going to be in so many crowds. But I'm going to have so many high fives with people I don't know. There's going to be so much restaurant going to in 2020, sharing drinks, having fun, going to the hookah bar together, all sucking on the little rope. And it's got fun little smokies in it. It's like a little snack. Oh, wait a second. I think I just stepped on a witch's show. <laughs> and now I curse you. Your film will never come out. What? Instead, you will be grounded. <laughs> so stay in your room, little boy, for all of 2020. What? Fuck you. No good ground me. I'm Timothy. All right? I'm a phrase bird. I'm a movie star. I'm an eagle covered in gold. Can someone please remove this witch? From the set, please. Okay, can you both please just shut up so I can go over my lines? This yeah. is a big stepping stone for me. I'm going to be the female Tom Cruise, okay? And by that, I mean I'm going to go fuck a fish and fly on the side of an airplane. And then I'm going to huh. make a reboot of The Mummy, and it's going to suck ass. And then they're not going to make another monster movie for another two decades. This reminds me of this crazy dream I had. You remember all that blue dust from the prop table? The spice? Prop dust from the, the yeah. prop table? Yeah, what about it? All that crazy dust. And they said, don't touch it. It's props. But I was like, this is dust. Right? Yeah, My yeah. They said is, there's a bunch of harmful chemicals in the prop. Yes, go yeah, on. Yeah, whatever. I was like, okay, Mr. Man with the dirty shots talking to me. I was like, okay, you got dirty shots on. Don't speak to me. Right? Because my second assistant, who had a fire because she looked too much like a lion. This isn't a place for fucking jungle cats, okay? It's a film set, and you're scaring me right now with your mane. Anyways, she was late with my salad, so I ate a bunch of that blue dust. You ate the spice prop? Yeah, and I had this dream, right? And, like, in it, like, I stepped on this witch's toe, and then everybody got all sick. Like, ew, like coughing sick. And I was like, eh, this is dumb. I hate it. You got a fever. Get away from me, right? I hate the noise of coughing. It's so gross. It's so not lit. Anyway, five years later, I saw that I was guilty for a bunch of murders. How does the movie do? It's just like, fine, whatever. Who gives a fuck? I was more concerned about how I did all of these murders. Some about, like, 9-11-2. 
and how I'm like sort of an architect of it, but I was like, I don't know how to build a building, stupid dream. You're dumb. I can come in an apricot at the drop of a dime, though. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw the movie or whatever. Yeah. It's, and you were fine in it. You know what? I, I won an Oscar. Okay. You know what? I guess I just got to go into my trailer to get these lines run. I could help you with that. I once taught an auditioning for the camera class. <laughs> Only in L.A., huh? All right, witch. Come with me. <laughs> Bye. Everybody's going to be fired when I'm done with This is going to be nobody in this movie. It's just going to be me. Heard that. Yeah, sorry, Zanaya. I guess I'll leave here and go chill in my hovercraft. It's in the sky. I live in a hovercraft. Because you know how it is. Location, location, location. Anyway, I'm going to go learn how to read. Timothy exits. Enter the janitor from episode one. I'm going to mop the floor till I'm dead in the ground. How does that sound? How does that sound? Excuse me? Oh, hey, didn't see you there. You're just listening, huh? The old podcast, remember me? I'm that janitor for the first one of these things. Told you I'd be back. And now I'm here, and it's just you and me. Just you and me. And that is the sound of the janitor being shot by a mass criminal. Thank you for listening to Deep Dives Doom. Only the best for our loyal listeners here at LPN. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.